Hey, race fans, welcome to the Get Hype Podcast Last Lap Edition. I'm your host, Ryan Stevens. And uh, in today's show, we're going to cover a couple of hot topics, and uh, some of which stem from last week's edition. So if you haven't listened to the first two shows, you want to go back and check those out. They're, uh, they're not too long, so you can get caught up here pretty quick. But this show, it's kind of turned out to evolve from one show to the next. So we take topics that we've already covered and, and expand upon it as we get feedback. Um, because again, this is a, an opinion-based show. My opinions, which I must state, don't necessarily reflect um, you know, either Hype or New Smyrna Speedway. Uh, these, these are just my general opinions about short track racing, and none of this is uh, to come across and attack uh, a race, a promoter, um, a driver, fans, none of that. It is just to, uh, it's to be a racing discussion show, if you will. So I appreciate the feedback that I've received so far. If you don't follow me on social media, make sure you do so. Um, I want to check out, uh, I have Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You find me, Ryan Stevens. Uh, pretty easy to find me uh, if, you, if you just look for the announcer type pictures. Um, but that is the best way for you to give me direct feedback. Of course, you can message us here at Hype Motorsports and that feedback will get back to me and it'll go to those that uh, oversee this operation. And of course, a big thank you to Hype Motorsports for having me part of their network. Um, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, however you get your podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube page so you don't miss an episode of either the Last Lap Edition or the flagship show, the Get Hype Podcast with Jake Wilson. He's got a lot of great episodes that have just posted with some great driver interviews. So if you haven't already, make sure you go back and check those out as well. So if you're caught up and you've listened to the first two episodes of the Last Lap Edition here, you'll know that uh, we've covered some pretty big topics, some pretty relevant topics in the racing world so far, including tires and um, even tradition a little bit, and the rainout policy. I want to expand, especially on tradition, because in some of the things that I've had to say about tires and maybe having to look into shortening certain programs or limiting uh, certain things, um, I've used the Snowball Derby as an example, not because I'm attacking the Snowball Derby. That's a fantastic race, one of the most prestigious short track races in the country, and it's, it's one of those races that everybody wants to have on their resume. So I'm in no means attacking the race. I'm using it as an example because it is such a huge event. It is spread over a multitude of days. And in my opinion, I feel like we could cut a practice day out. Um, you know, it, some people have let me know, well, you, you start messing with the races that are on Thursday or Friday. You're taking away from... Um, those guys that are racing those nights, that's their night. That's how it's been It's been brought up to me. That's their night. Like the Pure Stock truck guys, uh, when they race early in the week, that is their night to shine. So I totally understand that aspect of it, and I respect that aspect of it because I feel like uh, the lower card divisions, if you will, sometimes don't get the respect that they deserve. So in in, in a contrasting viewpoint, um, they're, they're right that that night, that special night for them, even though it might only be one or two races, um, it is for them. And, you know, I was coming at it from a, pan, a fan's perspective versus a driver's perspective or, or from a track's perspective where, hey, every night is a chance to make more money. Um, so there's always more to it than one person's opinion. So I've appreciated this feedback, and, and it kind of makes me think about things a little bit differently. Um, in, in my opinion, I, I think the Snowball Derby would be great if it was a, a three-day show. Um, may, maybe 
maybe the fourth day as a small practice day. I, I, don't, I don't know, but um, as a race fan, I would love to get up there and watch racing on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Make a, 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 a trip out of it see all the racing because as a huge race fan first and foremost that's that's what i am I'm, I'm a race fan who's blessed to be able to work in the industry even though i you know it's a it's a small time thing um I, i'm just a race fan and i took an opportunity to be part of it instead of just sitting there watching it um i would love to get up there friday watch the pure stocks watch the trucks watch those outlaw cars and then you have the uh the snowflake and qualifying on on Saturday for the for the snowball derby, um, and then of course Sunday basically stands on its own. And you could throw a, a a prelim in before or even after to to help even thin out the parking lot so everyone's not trying to leave at the same time. Because uh, sometimes you run into that people want to hang around anyways and there's nothing going on. You might as well give them that that option. Um, but you know th- those are just my thoughts on on how we could condense things a little bit and still get the tradition. And the um, the action out to everybody, maybe even to more eyes. Because if I'm a pure stock guy, yeah, running on like a Thursday night for the snowball, yeah, it, it's great that that's say my night. But I, I've I've seen the the stands for that night, not usually too full. Now, um, it could always be weather related. It does get cool up there that time of year. It can be you know work related. But man, if if I'm a racer on a big stage, I want all the eyeballs on me. So you know, for my sponsors, for myself, I win that race. I'd rather win it in front of a, a relatively full house than a hundred people. But anyway, um, what I really want to talk about with the the snowball derby is tradition. I want to branch out on that a little bit because there are a lot of traditions that come with the snowball derby besides just who's going to win that trophy. So. I understand that there's a big event that goes along with the snowball. It's kind of like a, a get-together dinner type deal where everybody, you know, they kind of have like a talk show going on, and it's very interactive, and I think that's great. Um, I, I think that sounds like a lot of fun, but this is a race, the Snowball Derby. It's a race weekend, so I, I love that there are these things that go along with it, but if we, you know, are, are having shortages and you know everything's more expensive and we're trying to save teams money and this and that you can still condense the week and in my opinion in my opinion you can still condense the week you can still have your party and you can still have everything that goes along with it and um still have the same great weekend in less time and uh because at the end of the day let's just say something some one of the, one race gets canceled because we have to have this party. What good is that? Uh, I feel like you can party anytime. You can party any time of the year. You can get together and have a party. Um, if you're going to a race just to party, I know that there are some people that do that. That's great. You can still party uh, anytime during the week. Um, you know, you can party during a rain delay. Uh, you can party after the races. Uh, I'm all for having to get together after the races. But also, if you're having this big party, uh, you know, on day zero of Snowball Derby week and everybody's getting hammered and being silly and getting themselves behind the eight ball before a huge weekend of racing. Uh, I don't think that's a good idea either because from my experiences at the World Series, when I was a few years younger, I, I remember hanging out late after practice day and 
uh, having a great time, throwing back a couple of cold ones and then feeling like crap the rest of the week. So um, I, I feel like uh, if, if because of uh, tradition, we're worried about parties and, and get-togethers and this and that, um, I, I feel like if it's taken away from the racing, which is the whole point of the Snowball Derby didn't start as a party. It started as a race, and then it grew, and it evolved, which is great. Um, but I, I don't feel like the party has to be the main emphasis. Sure, it's wonderful. It can spotlight drivers. It adds to the event, and I am all for things that add to the event, but not things that take uh, th- that are looked at as more important. And, and that may not necessarily be the case for the Snowball Derby. Um, I, I, from what I understand, it's a great addition and you don't want to take that away. I'm not saying take that away and then condense the week into, you know, two races or two race nights or whatever. I feel like you can still do all of it and still chop a day, at least a practice day off here or some practice time off, save some money, condense it, give the fans more value and, um, everybody wins. My opinion. Um, the reason I'm talking about parties is I want to tie this together with something that recently happened in the NASCAR ranks. Go back to Talladega a couple of weeks ago. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Bubba Wallace wins, of course, the rain-shortened race. Talladega doesn't have lights. And I saw a lot of things on Twitter. It's the modern age. We need to get everybody into the modern age. Every track, especially in the NASCAR playoffs, should have lights. Talladega doesn't have lights. It's a massive, massive racetrack. One of the biggest ovals. It is the biggest oval on the circuit. Um, you know, there are a lot of things that go into installing lights versus the size of the track and how much it'll cost. I mean, Daytona did it, so it's not impossible. Uh, but you got to look at the infrastructure of Daytona. There's a whole bunch of stuff built up around it. They have the infrastructure uh, to build a grid like that, whereas Talladega might not. Or it might take, there may be more than meets the eye to just simply put lights up and go. But one thing that I saw that ties into this whole tradition thing, um, which if go look at NASCAR and tradition, there's not much left, right? Um, what is tradition to NASCAR anymore? It's all about trying to get new eyes and new fans to the sport. So a lot of the tradition has fallen by the wayside and not so much in the short track ranks. Um, but tradition shouldn't be what holds us back from racing. In, in a tweet that I saw from Bob Pockris is what made me want to talk more about tradition today. Um, He said one of the concerns about adding lights to Talladega is if they start having night races, it'll take away from the party on Talladega Boulevard. And I'm thinking, are you serious? I mean, I understand that's probably a huge moneymaker for the track, but that just putting lights up doesn't mean you have to have night races either. But imagine if you had the opportunity, if you get weather, or, I mean, we had a rain-shortened race because everything started late, or I'm sorry, we had a, a, a daylight shortened race on Saturday because things start later now. And we ran out of time because of wrecks and extracurricular stuff that they have to do between races. Um, wouldn't it make sense to, if it were feasibly possible, to have lights to extend the races? Because that's what we're here to do. You know, it's not advertised as the Talladega Party 500. It's the Talladega 500. It's the Truck Series 250. It's the Xfinity 300. It's not the come party at Talladega and get drunk. That is what comes along with the race weekend. As a race fan, I want to see as much racing as possible. And then party afterwards, if it's feasible. You know, if it's three in the morning, I I gotta, I want to go home. I want to go home to my family. I want to sleep, you know. But if there were lights and we could extend that race and not finish before the end of stage two, and you still 
you know, keep the lights on and you still party afterwards. Um, I just feel like because of certain traditions that don't want to be interrupted, we have to sacrifice the racing. I, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that narrative. I understand why it's there, but man, I, I saw that and I'm like, well, that's a silly reason not to think about putting lights up, you know, never mind. throw all the other reasons aside, but you know, let's just say Going forward, NASCAR is going to do Xfinity and trucks on the same day at Talladega in October, where light is, you know, it doesn't, it starts getting darker earlier is what I'm trying to say. Um, you could obviously just start the races at noon, 11.30 noon, central time even, and still get everything in, um, but it's Talladega. You know there's probably going to be extensive wrecks that take a long time to clean up, Um then if you have a second race, you can't just, okay, the first race is over, roll the second race. This isn't a short track. They got to do driver intros and another national anthem and those traditions that always get done, uh, you know, they, they have to happen. doesn't mean you can't, you know, 30 minutes between races, driver intros, national anthem, strap in and go. Uh, everything on NASCAR, though, is on such a time clock, and I can attest to it doing the, um, the Arkham Nards E-Series race. I sat down there on the front straightaway. And I had to be instructed on, you know, they have a countdown and they count you down and say, okay, now you can do driver intros. And driver intros need to be X amount of time, even though there's only 14 drivers. They wanted driver intros to be some 15-minute deal. Now well, I got done with it in about eight, you know. And then we had to wait and wait and wait and wait to an exact time to do Gentlemen Start Your Engines. And I get it. There's, there's TV involved. There's um, with the organization of NASCAR. And I'm not knocking this. I'm just telling you all how... Uh, you know, you can't just go from one thing to another in NASCAR. Everything is to the T, to the second, and uh, you have some waiting that you have to do. But if adding lights is a deterrent because it'll take away from the party at Talladega, I can guarantee you those people that are there to party are going to party one way or another. They'll start partying with 10 laps to go if that means they got to turn the lights on to finish a race. They'll They'll party. And it ain't going to get in the way of Saturday. You don't have to schedule Saturday races, but you could still build the infrastructure to get the racing in if it is possible. Tradition is, while important, it's not as important as, in my opinion, the racing. Because like I said, if I want to go party tonight, I can go, I, I can go throw back some beers tonight. There doesn't have to be a race. There doesn't have to be a sporting event. You can just get together um, and, and have a good time with your friends anytime. Now, I, I get that at sporting events, when you're when you're camping out, uh, it, it's a big deal. You know, that stuff's going to happen, and I'm all for that. But I, I think the racing shouldn't be sacrificed for a party, for a, uh, a get-together, for a dinner. Um, I, I I get that for some people. They, they see it the other way around, and I respect that because everybody – should be able to enjoy whatever they're doing their own way. But on this show, I put racing first. In my life, um, racing first, party second, you know, uh, camaraderie is very important. I, I, I love hanging out after the races and, and chatting with people um, or, you know, having a few drinks, uh, waiting things out. I, I love that aspect. But, man, if, uh, you know, oh, we got to cut this uh, bomber race because, well – Everybody wants to go drinking afterwards. Well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. We're going to drink one. People that are going to drink are going to drink one way or another. So um, just my whole point is here, while tradition is important, it shouldn't interfere with the racing. So 
um, tying those two things together, I, I of course would love to hear what everybody has to think. And, and, and I've loved the feedback that I've heard. And I don't want you to just necessarily listen to the show because you agree with me. I, I'd love to hear the counter um, the, the counter opinions because it makes me think and see things from a different perspective. And maybe uh, as we go with the show, we'll get some promoters on here and actually, you know, we can um, check what I've had to say with how things actually go with promoters. As you know, things have literally been evolving. I've taken one topic now and gotten two and a half episodes out of it and, and watched it evolve. And um, I, I appreciate that. Not all feedback has to be good feedback to be constructive. So um, I appreciate that. And it, and it helps me think not so, you know, narrow mindedly, if you will. So keep the feedback coming. And if you agree with me, great. I, I love to hear that as well. Um, because there's always multiple sides and, and multiple lines of thinking on any topic, whether it be racing or not. So um, my second point of interest that I wanted to talk about is a very relative one um, based on some of the actions that have gone on over the past few days, um, and that's rivalries. Are rivalries good for racing, period? Doesn't have to be short tracks. Doesn't have to be NASCAR. But I've seen instances of rivalries in both NASCAR and short track racing in the past couple of days, this past weekend. So let's start with um, NASCAR, and then we'll talk about a short track rivalry that has been brewing and whether or not it should be the focal point of, you know, promotion, media, and, and things like that. So, of course, many of you probably know that in NASCAR, uh, this past weekend at the Roval, um, Chase Elliott and Kevin Harvick got into it again. And they have a history going back to Bristol where Harvick and Chase Elliott are racing for the win at Bristol with about 100 to go or whatever it was. And Harvick kind of slid up, got into Chase, cut his tire down. Chase gets into the wall. That's racing for the lead, man. That's, you know, Ruben's racing. You're doesn't matter if you're best friends with somebody. Eventually, if you race with them long enough, you're going to make contact with them. And you probably race your friends differently than you do other people. But eventually, it's going to happen on purpose or not. Usually, if you're friends, it's not on purpose. But you're going to make contact. It's, it's inevitable. Those two made contact battling for the lead. It happened. But then Chase comes out. Um, you know, being lapsed down after having to pit and slows Harvick up. Now, he sent a message when he passed him. You know, he didn't give him any room. They were just even some rubbing there. But then Chase kind of slowed up, and with the way the air works, yeah, there's still aerodynamics at Bristol. It allowed Kyle Larson to catch Kevin Harvick, and Harvick couldn't get around Chase, and Kyle Larson is Chase's teammate. Larson gets around and wins it. So Harvick feels like because of Chase Elliott then that – the win got away from him. So Harvick's mad. And you know how Harvick is. He's a hard-nosed driver. And he wasn't happy about it. So you think, well, you know, Harvick hit Chase. Chase was mad. Harvick didn't win. Chase feels like he got, you know, his payback. And you're thinking, well, is it over? They talked it out. You know, nothing really happened for a couple weeks. And then here comes the Roval. All of a sudden, Chase Elliott's car is destroyed. They didn't catch it live. They caught him spinning in the aftermath. And you're just like, whoa, what the heck happened to Chase? They show a replay. Harvick gasses the thing up coming off of one of the corners in the infield section into the back of Chase Elliott. Elliott into the wall. Then it looked like Elliott tried to retaliate and got hit again after he missed Harvick. And you're thinking, wow, Chase's car is destroyed. Last year's champion looks like he's going to be out in the round of 12. Unbelievable. That's crazy. Uh, and then you hear the radio transmissions from uh, Chase and his team. Hey, you know, 
get that four car. If you wreck him, take him out, war back in. Um, and Chase goes, oh, you can count on it. So you know that that whole storyline is building, 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 and then it all comes to a crescendo um, with about, I think it was 10, 12 laps to go, something like that. Chase, is, Chase gets back on the lead lap. Uh, there's a controversial no black flag, which caused parts of Chase's car to fly off. There's a caution. Chase catches back up. He eventually catches the four car and basically intimidates him into the wall, head on. Harvick is done. Chase didn't touch him. But you know that Harvick either got a message from a spotter like, hey, nine car closing in on you fast, or saw it in his mirror, and just that turn one at the Roval is such a, a sharp corner. It comes up so quick uh, that if you are out of line just a little bit, you will lock up the brakes, and you will hit that wall, and you'll be done. And that's exactly what happened. So Chase didn't even need to necessarily create the payback or make contact with Harvick to get the payback. Chase got his payback, but it was almost self-inflicted payback by Kevin Harvick so you know now you gotta wonder oh, are these two actually even now does Chase still owe Kevin Harvick one I'd love to hear your opinion on that uh, but now everybody has more interest in two of the more boring races of the last four Kansas and Texas um, you know is there gonna be payback Harvick's out of it he's got nothing to lose so will he take Kev uh, will he take Chase Elliott with him and eliminate him from this round I mean, that is all intriguing stuff that makes me want to watch. And you know NASCAR is going to run with that. Like, hey, make sure you tune in this weekend because you might see more Kevin Harvick versus Chase Elliott. Kevin or Chase has a huge fan base. You know, how does NASCAR survive? they got to keep viewers interested. So, of course, they're going to use that as marketing. So, uh, yes, I'm very interested to see where this goes. I know that there are some folks that just say, I don't want to see them get together at all. I want to see them race clean and fair and square. And then there are others that are sitting around like, hell yeah, I want to see them wreck each other. I want to see it every week. That's what I live for, NASCAR. And, you know, that, that's great. That's, we have different fans with different views, man. That's that's what makes NASCAR and racing in general so fun. So why are we talking NASCAR um, so much on this episode? It all ties into short track racing because you're going to have a ton of rivalries at your local short track. And we've had one at New Smyrna uh, that's been brewing much of the year. Uh, between the Spears brothers, uh, Justin Spears and George Spears, and Bobby Hawley, both uh, all three who I have a lot of respect for. Um, Justin has become a stellar driver in the last year and a half. He's really turned things around. George is a veteran. He's been driving for a long, long time. Bobby Hawley's like the epitome of a veteran. Multiple wins and championships, and and all. He, Bobby's wrecked so many cars, unfortunately, but always rebuilds them, and they're always fast. Bobby Hawley is just one of those guys. Um, that, that can win in, in any situation. Um, so, like I said, I, I have respect for all three of these guys, and there's been this rivalry all year, and I've had one of their crew members, and I'm not going to call them out on the show, uh, come up to me and say, I don't like you talking about all this rivalry stuff. And my job as announcer slash social media person slash podcaster is to talk about the stories. And while I'm always double-sided on them, you know, not trying to place blame i try to call it right down the middle okay i could try to call it like i see it but he's like i don't like you talking about this rivalry stuff well guess what i gotta get butts in those seats the drivers always talking about well there's not much of a crowd here tonight i'm trying to get people to come watch y'all and y'all drive the race cars so if there's a rivalry i'm gonna talk about it because it's gonna keep people interested no i'm not trying to start crap and get people to come out and wreck each other absolutely not i'm trying to get fans to come out because, hey, there's a rivalry, and that's all you got to say, because people know what happens in rivalries. 
and they might want to be there to witness what may or may not happen. And that is all up to the drivers. Me saying, hey, there's a rivalry does not mean that the drivers are just going to go out there and wreck each other. That's up to them. They've already made up that in their mind. So, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so back to last Saturday at New Smyrna in the Superstock 50, um, that rivalry had settled a little bit. It wasn't completely gone. There's been a lot of jawing back and forth. And, um, you know, one crew says to the other, hey, you better buckle up. Uh, and as they put it afterwards, because we said that because we're coming to win. Whereas somebody might take, hey, buckle up as you better pull them belts tight because if we get near you, you're gone. I can see that either way. Um, but that's why you got to be careful about what you say because people can misconstrue your words. And believe me, it happens to me all the time. Um, you know, I, I said something on, on the Holop show that I do for the racetrack the other week and, and somebody kind of took it the wrong way. And I, you know, Hey, I messaged him and said, Hey, I wasn't accusing you of, of what I said. I was just, you know, pointing it out that, you know, Hey, this happened and people were talking about it and then he got a chance to defend himself. So, um, but you gotta, you gotta be careful what you say, especially in a rivalry, because as your rival, I might take what you say and be like, oh, he meant it in a negative way instead of just like, hey, we're here. We see you. We're coming to win tonight, which is harmless. But if you're saying something that makes it sound like, oh, hey, we're coming to wreck you, then, you know, it could be misconstrued that way. But uh, of course, as things would have it, we're winding down on the season. Things have been relatively calm the last few weeks. Bobby Holly had a bad situation happen to him so he's driving for wins now throw the points out the window um you know he in the early stages about the first third of the race he was closing in on justin spears uh the two are going to race each other hard no doubt about it they're racing for the lead um bobby's car he was a fast qualifier his car looked a little bit better justin's car looked a little bit loose so it was allowing bobby to, to close in on him bobby got to him the two make contact racing for the lead just like harvick and chase back at bristol racing for the lead yeah, there's still a long way to go in this race, but still, uh, the lead is the lead. If you can get out in front and control the race, then, you know, you have a better chance no matter what happens in the race. So the two make contact. Bobby's on the inside. They kind of slide up. They're fighting for the same groove and a half. Uh, great, great short track racing. Um, I thought both cars were gone. I, I thought they were both going to spin, but Justin's car up on the high side got a little bit more out of shape, came back down, got into the door of Bobby Hawley, did some damage uh, to Bobby's car, but then Justin, as the car was coming back down, overcorrects, into the wall he goes, and totaled his car. Well, not totaled it. I don't want to use that word, but wrecked it pretty good. Took him out for the night. So that was that was too bad. But then, unfortunately, Justin got out, and this is all on video, so this is nothing. It's not a secret, but some gestures were exchanged, and then Justin rolled his steering wheel under the left front tire of Bobby Holly, and in my opinion, what was an attempt to maybe cut down one of his tires. It was a two-tire race, so that could have been very de detrimental. I would have had to go put an old tire on to continue, and that might change the balance on the car, change the setup, and take him out of contention. I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't have, I, but it didn't matter. It didn't cut the tire, but Justin was DQ'd, and then his, uh, Bobby had to go to the back of the field, work his way up. So, of course, George Spears is in the lead, and then as Bobby's working his way through, George has a couple of teammates out there, and um, I, I'm not saying that his teammates took a swipe at him, but uh, as Bobby's coming through the field, he was around those teammates, and there was a little bit of contact made here and there. And then even one of Bobby's cars, uh, pseudo-teammate, if you will, uh, somebody that works on Bobby's team, had his car out there with a, a driver behind the wheel. And that car spun out late in the going, which gave Bobby a chance at a restart with George. And Bobby took advantage and won the race. So there was a lot going on on both sides of this rivalry. And uh, you think, well, Bobby Holly, who did win the race, by the way, 
you think, well, he's out on top now. Um, he, he won. It's over. Well, we have twin 25s coming up at the end of the month, uh, October 30th, to settle the championship. Uh, two races, and I did the math wrong on the hot lap show, but um, two races worth 50 points apiece plus qualifying, that's 125 points. So if you're within 125 points, you have a shot potentially at still winning the championship. So Bobby Holly very much alive in the championship hunt, as is George Spears. Justin's pretty well out of it now with the DQ, but, I mean, it's setting up for one heck of a show on Saturday. And, uh, yes, I'm talking to New Smyrna here, but at any short track, if you have this setup, you are going to lean on it to get people to fill that grandstand to see what could happen if those two get near each other. Bobby Holly versus the Spears going into the final race of the season, championship on the line, two races, which means if something crazy happens in race one, it could change the complexion of the championship going into race number two, and it could be wild. Now, yes, I, the track's going to take it and run it. Now, they have talked to both sides to try to calm this down, but NASCAR is going to use Chase Elliott versus Kevin Harvick. New Smyrna is going to use Bobby Holly versus the Spears to, to sell interest in that final race on a night with a light card, mind you. And, uh, you know, any short track that has stuff going on like this is going to use it to fuel it to gain interest in the fans, not to fuel the fire for the drivers. The track has already talked to the drivers. But again, the drivers are responsible for driving their race cars. We can't just, I say we, you can't just point the finger at Bobby and say, hey, you, you need to shut it down because the Spears are going to come after you. Or the you can't shut the Spears down because you know, hey, Bobby, they're going to come after you, so we got to shut them down. That, that's not fair. The drivers have to be in control of themselves. But wh what happens on the racetrack stays on the racetrack. It doesn't just go away. So if drivers make a rivalry, the tracks have every right, in my opinion, to use that to try to sell interest in the next race, not to promote uh, these guys wrecking each other. Wrecks are going to happen regardless. I mean, there could be a wreck for seventh and eighth place uh, between two guys that don't give a squat about each other and torn up race cars can happen. But uh, what you want to see is those drivers race each other hard, not give each other any room, but not take each other out. And uh, that makes for very exciting racing because if they do that for lap after lap, that anticipation, that edge of your seat kind of racing that we had in the 50 could happen lap after lap after lap just in, in anticipation of, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen because these guys aren't going to give anybody an inch. So um, in my opinion, rivalries good for racetracks or the sport in general uh flat out wrecking each other uh it, it needs to it eventually is going to come to a head and it needs to be handled definitely you don't want to hurt you never want to hurt anybody and i don't think any of these drivers in this rivalry are wanting to hurt each other they just don't want each other to get a good finish and uh, that's i believe what it boils down to and uh, it's going to make for a very interesting last Super stock race going to make for a very interesting last four races in the chase because Kevin Harvick could strike and take chase out at any time. Rivalries, good. Trying to hurt somebody and get vengeance on them in that way, very, very bad. But I would love to hear what everybody has to think on that topic. Um, very hot topic right now, and we'll see how that evolves. And uh, we'll see what topic gets brought up here for the next episode of the Last Lap edition of the Get Hype Podcast. Appreciate you guys tuning in and listening. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you follow Hype Motorsports. And if you need any kind of marketing in motorsports, Hype Motorsports is your place to go. So make sure you get in contact with them. Uh, they'll do a great job getting your name out there and getting even more eyeballs wherever you may race. So, again, 
I'm Ryan Stevens. Thanks for tuning in. I'd love to hear what you guys have to, to say on tradition and or rivalries in racing. Until next time, y'all take care, and we'll talk to you later.